My name is Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. No. I'm so no. sorry. I'm not starting this one again. <laughs> we did, whatever we record is staying in. <laughs> My name is Nicole. My name is Nicole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. We've nailed it. <laughs> oh, mate. There's three sections. And then we go, anything goes. Are... What's been <laughs> what you been, Dan? Well, we've got to say what we're what we're gonna watch and what the episode oh, yeah. is. <laughs> this week we're covering two LGBTQ plus movies, which we chose in the last episode. They are Moonrise and Portrait of Lady on Fire. After that, Moonlight. we're gonna be talking about Takachi Yeti. What did I say? Yep. Moonrise. He's he's so. Moonrise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit. The bed. Moonlight, it's moonlight. You're going to be talking about two cats <laughs> and Yeti with meatloaf. Yes. Fuck me. <laughs> right, we're just anything goes. Anything goes. We're two. Anything goes. We're two years old. Yeah. We're two. You would not fucking believe that we're two years old after the amount of time we've spent four and a half minutes trying to record <laughs> us saying what we're fucking doing. This is number 82. We're two years old. We've done fucking shitloads of them. We should be much better at this by now. Mm-hmm. But we're not. <laughs> we should. But yeah, we've it's changed a lot. Obviously, you've come on board. We've got a new, new intro. intro. Yeah. Uh, we've changed up the format of shows and stuff. And uh, it's good. It's just kind of evolved. And I think that's great. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And uh, I obviously... <laughs> like, me too. We're like really busy and stuff, and trying to squeeze it in can sometimes be yeah. a bit of a bit of a pain to get it in the schedule and stuff. But it's worth it, and I I have a great time recording it and uh, getting it out there and just talking to people about movies. It's fun. We get to catch up every couple of weeks, and we get to which catch is up. also yeah. nice as well. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, long may it continue. Um, how have you been? Uh, yeah, I've been all right. It's my kind of second last week of work and then I have a week off and then I head interstate for my next job, which I'm very excited about. Mm, Travelling. In my head, I feel like I'm going to have a holiday, but it's probably going to be pretty manic this next Mm. gig. I'll be hopefully on the, on the beach, potentially my accommodation. Oh, really? We'll see. On the yeah. beach. Oh, nice. Maybe to do some surfing. Have you been? Have you ever done surfing before, Dan? Nah. Is there a surf beach in the UK? Yeah, I think Cornwall has a, a bit bit of surfing there. I think they do surfing. Oh yeah. But it's not something I've ever done or really have any particular interest in. I don't trust the ocean. I think it's a weird thing. It's scary because of the sharks. Yeah. It's Spielberg. Spielberg did it to <laughs> we'll me, fucker. That. He ruined the oh, sea yeah. for me. It was pouring down with rain yesterday. 
but I got to catch up with my old um, mate that I used to, we went to film school together and we had a jolly good laugh last night. We had dinner and then we went back to his and his housemate was still um, up. So we're just, we're just having a bit of a chin wag and then we ended up watching our short films. Uh, did you? Um, <laughs> which reminded me of when, when I was in the UK and it was my birthday weekend. I was at yours and we got back to yours at like one or two o'clock in the morning. We, we started watching the short films and then we started falling asleep. I was like, all right, I'm off to bed, mate. Yeah. What a funny weekend that was. Poor Albert Cop. <laughs> he didn't get away lightly, did he? No. <laughs> and you still have his T-shirt. He called up the next day very angry. <laughs> I felt bad about that. Yeah. I felt really bad about that. Anyway. Oh. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, managed to get to the cinema a couple of times. Oh, which nice. Is great. I've been to the Light Cinema in Sittingbourne twice now with Sarah. First one I went to see was A Quiet Place Part 2. Um, which is the first film I've mm. seen in 16 months. Probably quite a good movie to see at the cinema. I think I saw the first one on a small screen, saw the second one on a big screen. It made a difference, I think. Sarah shushed some people in the in the, in the audience. Oh, did she? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. They, they, they yeah, good. I fucking hate when people talk during a movie. It's annoying, isn't it? It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit embarrassing, to be honest with you, but I don't, you know, at least it stops them talking and I ain't got to do it. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's the first time probably you guys have ever been to the cinema together as well. Yeah. It was our first trip to the cinema yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So that was nice too. And um, yeah. yeah. So I, I happen to know that you also went to see A Quiet Place Part oh. 2, didn't you? I think I preferred this one compared to the original. I'd That's agree with all that. I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it slightly more than the first one. I thought it was all right. But yeah, the opening bit was, was brilliant. And uh, there was a couple of really good scenes in there. Kid was a little bit irritating. Uh, I was sort of over the baby stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was all right. Might go see Cruella before I move up to Queensland. Emma Stone. Yeah, it looks good. I think for um, like a, a Disney remake, I'm kind of fascinated to watch it. There's a few of those Disney remakes that they've done previously that I haven't had the urge to go see in the cinema, but th- this is one that I want to go see. So I've heard some good things about it. It's not something that interests yeah. me at all, but it's had got a lot of um, good reviews. A lot of people seem to enjoy it. And I think they are talking about doing a sequel and it's pretty much locked in or something now. But Oh, cool. You know, she's uh, got to work her way up to killing the dogs, hasn't she? <laughs> that's what, oh, that's, that's what, what happens she is, in the movie, yeah. I guess. It's like, um, it's like Breaking Bad, yeah. isn't it? But for dog murderers. It's awful. I know, that's what I mean. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> It is awful. I still haven't seen the finale of um, Breaking Bad. What? I know. You've seen seen the rest of it, though? I've seen seen up to season three, I think. It's it's probably my favourite show of all time, I would say. It's it's the show that I got most invested in from from start to finish. Yeah, definitely. 
I don't watch many shows, but that's one that I loved. But I don't know. It's a but it's a big old commitment. I'd love to re- revisit it someday, but I'm just not sure that I'll ever be able to get through it. There's, I wonder how many. It was like eighty. How many episodes? seasons are there? Five, I think. Oh, so it's so fifty episodes, and they is it ten episodes? Oh, I've got no idea. I can't remember now. You watched anything else? I've watched a bunch of random TV shows this week. RuPaul Drag Race Down Under. Ah, the you finale that. was tonight. Yeah, yeah. That was tonight. Uh, was tonight first time I've ever watched RuPaul. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like their costumes and just their outfits are, and their makeup and their whole get do ups are really cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was fun. I tried to watch the first ever episode of RuPaul and I was just like, oh, no, I think this is like too old of a TV show. I think I need to watch. I was speaking to a mate at work about it. He goes, oh, he goes, I would watch season six and then go forward from there. Season six apparently is like a really good season. Um, I did put the Spanish version of RuPaul on just before we recorded. Bloody, that's many, actually not uh, bad. How many different versions are there of it? There's so many. Bloody, RuPaul must have made fortune from that show. Yeah, it's swimming in money. I've started watching Euphoria. I'm um, halfway through that that season, uh, that series, which is really, it's really good. I, I quite like a fair bit of HBO series. Is that is there two seasons of that? There's only one season. There's one season and then there's like a part one and a part two with the two main carry- characters. I haven't seen those yet. Yeah, meant to be quite good, I think. Uh, I think Sarah's watched the, the, the part ones and part twos and I'm pretty sure she said that it was good and emotional and satisfying, I think. I don't know if she used that word. I'm making it up. <laughs> you know Sarah better. I hope so, anyone, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be weird if I didn't. Bo Burnham's Inside Ooh, special. Okay. Very good. Interesting. Really enjoyed it. The, the first time I've ever seen Bo Burnham was Promising Young Woman. Mm. The, the first time I've ever really uh, noticed him before. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, wat- I watched his special and I was like, this is really funny. It was all during lockdown and doing in the space of his apartment. I Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I watched... He did another, there was another uh, special called Make Happy. Yeah. I think that came out in 2016. I watched that as well this week. I think that. that, that he's, he, yeah, he's pretty funny. I think that was his last one before uh, he kind of retired, wasn't it? Because I think for us, there are two ah. specials or, or three now. I think there were two specials on Netflix and then one, mm. the new one. Um, Sarah recently introduced me to Bo Burnham. I'd never seen his stuff because a lot of musical comedy is not really my, it tends not it's to not be my really thing good. quite so much. There's a few exceptions yeah. like Flight of the Concords, but generally uh, it's not my bag. But she was like, no, seriously, like watch it. It's really good. You'll love it. And she was, yeah, she was right. His, his humor is very dark mm. and um, he talks yeah. a lot about mental health and that sort of thing. And he does yeah. it very well. And he sort of hides it in this kind of, shell of pop culture when he's trying to explain things like when he does the Kanye song and that sort of thing and it's he's Mm. a very fucking clever man but he's burdened by that intelligence I think isn't he 
Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting dude. What an interesting guy. And that that I didn't I didn't enjoy that that new special as much as his other ones. Um, oh really? I, yeah. Not, but only because I didn't laugh as much. If that makes sense okay. as a comedy show. But I think artistically, mm-hmm. it was pretty. Um, particularly, you know, during pretty the. It, I think it's going to be one of the things that over uh, sort of the lockdown and stuff. I think it's going to be one of the things that people point to and go, "Oh yeah." that's the sort you know that's one of the best things that came out of it artistically creatively or whatever um mm. yeah it's very it's of the period isn't it and I, it'd be interesting to go back and watch that in however many years time a few years see, time yeah and see what you remember mm. and, and that sort of thing how much of it was relevant and if you think oh fucking hell we all lost our minds for for 18 months <laughs> um or longer or longer <laughs> yeah permanently from this point um, forward I um I caught up with a friend of mine. I went to his place during the week, and I thought Love Victor was a movie, but it's a TV show. We watched oh, yeah. we watched about half of season one. Have you have you? I think you've mentioned Love Victor before, potentially. Me? I, don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. That's I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's something that you would particularly watch. Mm, I don't. Re- I've recognised the name, but I don't think I've bought it up. I thought maybe you had bought it up. To be honest. No. So it's like a year or two after Love, Simon. Is it a sequel to Love, Victor. Simon? So, yeah, kind of. Right. So Love, Simon is the is the film and then Victor moves into the same neighbourhood as where Simon went to school and grew up. And they're like, oh, you know, this fantastic thing happened and, you know, he came out in front of everyone and had this magical moment on the Ferris wheel. So Victor's trying to figure out um, if he's interested in women or interested in men and then also his family background and some people are not exactly okay with the whole situation. And so, yeah, it's, that's what the TV show is about. I was yeah. So far it's been quite good. My friend did tell me what the ending was, oh, no. thinking that I wasn't really going to. No, no, but I kind of wanted him to tell me. Um, but I think we might catch up again and finish the series. Mm. Pretty much all I've watched this past week. What about you? Um, I've got, I have a couple more things to go through that I, I don't want to skip over. Mm. Um, first one is in the last episode, one of my three picks was Disclosure, which was a documentary. And it's about trans representation in the media essentially and more so film it's more sort of leaning towards film but there are other sort of references in there um and that was very interesting to watch and you know i think the thing that i got from it most was and i hadn't noticed it myself but they a lot of talking heads were saying people like laverne cox and the wachowskis were on there and they were saying things like Mm -hmm a lot of the representation that's in mainstream media, trans people are either portrayed as uh, a villain, uh, perhaps some kind of psychopath, like Silence of the Lambs, or right. um, are treated as the butt of a joke, or a stereotype in uh, sex worker roles. And that's kind of the general thing. A lot of it is... Interesting. Like a lot of the... A lot of trans people are cast in quote unquote comedy shows where they're kind of the butt of the joke or were so anyway I, I I believe it's becoming less 
uh, of the thing recently. Yeah. But I can't. I'm not in that world, so I I can't say that for sure. But it was. How it long was, ago did this documentary come out? I think it was. Uh, it's fairly recent. I think 2018. I want to say 2018. And they, okay. it was like they had some clips in there from films and sitcoms where things are like, oh, weird. And they spoke about Ace Ventura a little bit, that scene um, yeah. from the end of that film. And it was uh, what I got from it is that we just need to have more trans people in films just where it's not relevant to the plot in, in any way. Um, and I think the most recent example that I can think of is Promising Young Woman where Laverne Cox is, is in it and she plays the um, the owner of the calf that Kerry Mulligan works in. Oh, right. And yeah. um, I just, I, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that, that like it's just never spoken about at all. It's just, she's just... Is she trans? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, That's fantastic. I, I didn't know at the time either. So it's only sort of after having watched that film and realising, finding out who Laverne Cox was because I didn't I never watched mm. um, she was in Orange is the New Black and I've never watched that show it's been interesting because she's quite a prominent voice in that world as well so there's quite a lot of stuff interviews with her on YouTube and that sort of thing I, I rate it quite highly and re- would recommend anyone watching that yeah cool uh, I think like I say I think a lot of it is going to be stuff that people know already but interesting fascinating definitely go for it mate what else have I watched um I'm going to very quickly say don't watch Army of the Dead because it's toilet. Um, <laughs> I've heard it's not very good. It goes for a, it goes for a long time. It's a quite oh, a long film, isn't it? Two and a half hours. I don't mind a long film if it's good. If and, it's yeah, if it intrigues sense. you the whole way through. Yeah, if it's intriguing with with good characters and it's interesting and there's reason to it and. I feel like they could have cut this down to a two-hour movie. Like, two-hour movie, no problem, probably less. But there's shit in it that just doesn't make any sense or serve any purpose to the narrative. And it's just stuff that Zack Snyder's put in and gone, ah, oh, don't worry, we might explain that one day. It's like, no, you're making a film. You're making a movie. Like, I want to know what the resolution to these things are. You, I don't. Again, Zack Snyder tends to do very long films, like the um super the super hero one. The superhero one. There's like a one. four hour part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Justice you know what League. I mean. I know what you mean. Justice League. That's the one. Yeah, like, it that's does. Like four hours of footage. Like that's too fucking long well i really enjoyed the the four-hour cut of justice league i thought it was a Mm. vast improvement over the two-hour steaming pile of dog shit that came out a few years before that um Mm. but i find that his movies are very hit and miss they're either really good or really bad i think in, in my opinion there are not many in there that i think are okay but there's just loads of weird stuff in it that's introduced, like zombies that are dry because it's in Vegas. They've dried up because of the sun. And then they say, oh, when it rains, they might come back to life again. You think, oh, I know what's going to happen. But it never happens. They it's never. They, 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 it doesn't happen. That's what I mean. They set this thing up and it never happens. It's, and it's disappointing because I'm really looking forward to it. If only really we could put it for Stitch it. Up. It's too long, Stitch Up. And I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's rubbish. Don't watch it. I gave it a two out of five. Um, it was supposed to be a zombie wow. heist movie, but it wasn't. Uh, and in fact, 
Uh, Sarah and I had about a four minute conversation afterwards and we wrote a better movie in four minutes. Um, <laughs> Psycho Goreman is a new film that's ah. dropped on Shudder recently. It's been out in the States for a few months now. Again, been looking forward to watching this. It's a kind of a comedy, horror, sci-fi throwback to 80s about a super hard alien who wants to destroy everything. And there's this magic stone and these kids find this magic stone and this magic stone means that they can control this horrible alien dude. And it's that, it's just, it's very, very funny. There are some brilliant jokes in it and I've watched it three times in two weeks. Uh, I'm pretty obsessed with it at the moment. I can't stop singing the music from it. I can't stop thinking about the jokes. It's my number one movie of the year. Wow. Shall we move on to section two? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to be discussing Moonlight, not Moonrise, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. (laughs) Um, it was my choice of theme, so as it was my choice, it means that I am doing the topic intro, and this week I've got a bit of a quiz uh, with some multiple choice okay. options. I think there are five or six questions. I'll start by saying that if you had given me these questions, I wouldn't have got any of them right, so don't feel bad if you don't right. know them. You've got more chance of getting them right okay. than I had. Um, but I've had to do some research. So some of them I just yeah. outright stole the questions from a website, but then I sort of looked up what was behind it and stuff. So Yeah, cool. Have you got a pen and paper? Oh, I need to write them down. Not really. It was just a general question. Oh. <laughs> question number one. <laughs> oh. Right, question question number one. Are you ready? Yes. You will go on my first whistle. You will go I'm so confused. on my second whistle. This is not part of the quiz. I thought this was part of the quiz. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, I'm no. Uh, it's from a, a show in the 90s that we had called Gladiators, and for some reason I, I that popped in my head. I don't know oh, why. yeah, I remember, I remember Gladiators. The Gladiators. Oh, what a terrible yeah. show. It used to be on a, like a, on a Saturday afternoon that show would be on. Yeah, I think it was the same for us. Anyway. Um, it's got nothing to do with our topic, so let's let's crack on with this quiz, shall we? <laughs> um, so, question number one: Which country was the first to lawfully establish same-sex marriage? Was it A. the Netherlands? Was it B. Austria? Or was it C. England? I'm going to say the Netherlands. I feel like that's incorrect, and I feel like nope, it could be you are correct. England. You are correct. Res- oh, yeah, it was. So same-sex marriage became legal in the Netherlands in 2001, which is a depressingly wow. recent, um, well, I suppose it was 20 it's years like, ago, but it still feels pretty recent yeah, to me. Yeah, still, it's really recent. Yeah, but it was the Netherlands. So, well done. One point out of one. Cool. Question number two. When was homosexuality legalized in the UK? Was it 1942, 1958, or 1967? Definitely not 48. What was B and C? 48 wasn't an option. It was 42, 58, or 67. I'm going to go B, 58. Incorrect. It was 1967. Yeah. It would have been great if it was earlier than that. uh, Define like people well, respect, kind of respected. Them. No, like literally like, in law. So it's like, it was it was illegal 
to be a homosexual person. To be homosexual. Yeah, so in 1966, if you uh, had a kiss with someone of the same gender as you, it was illegal and they could mm-hmm. they could throw the book at you, throw, arrest put you, you in prison stuff. Yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. know how, how much it was enforced or whatever, but that's kind of irrelevant, really. The fact that it was illegal is is, is enough. But yeah, so 1967, um, 1967 in the UK. Next question. I had to get a Madonna question in there. So which dance craze made mainstream by Madonna originated in the LGBTQ plus underground ball culture? Was it breakdancing, line dancing or voguing? Vogan. It was a Vogan. It was the Vogan, yeah. Um and I You think, would have totally got that question. I yeah, I would have got that question because it's a mad question. <laughs> um Yeah, it was Vogan. And I suppose Madonna made it popular in what, the eighties, I suppose, the eighties and the nineties. Um yeah. but it originated in the sixties. When you might know this because you 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 you're a fan of dance and stuff. Um but it originated in the sixties and it was started by African American and Latino gay and trans people oh there you go next question so you got that one right so what is what's the score then two out of three is it two out of three two out of three yeah. all right so 66.6666666 percent recurring <laughs> um right next question question number four who was the first openly gay prince in the world was it prince manvendra singh gahil of india was it the fresh prince of bel-air was it the Prince of Egypt? I'm going to go India. Yes. Yeah. Prince Manvendra Singh yeah. Gohil. I'm not sure if I pronounced the last part of his name correctly. Um, but yeah, there's, I, and I haven't watched his interview, but there was an interview apparently on Oprah. Um, and he was mm. in the closet for the longest time. He'd married someone and was married to, married to a woman up until I think 2002, I'd read. But they never kind of got that intimate this is just all Wikipedia stuff I've read, so I'm not sure how accurate it is. Right. But they'd never been intimate, yeah. and he was kind of living a lie, and then decided to come out. And yeah, he was the first openly gay prince in the world. I've been to India before, and I think in parts of India, it's they do have quite an open, a bit more liberal, uh, LGBT. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What um, is the next question? The next question is uh, drag race related, so you might get this one. Hey. Oh and my. and also spoilers for the very first season of, of Drag Race, uh, which came out okay. in 2009. <laughs> um, so who won? Who won the very first season of Drag Race in 2009? Was it A, uh, Crystal Method? Was it B, BB Zara Bennett? Or was it C, Jada Essence Howe? C? You know, it was B. It was BB Zahara was Bennett? Zara? Mm. You spoilt first season for me. How dare you? I'm sorry. You've got another 28 seasons to watch if you want. <laughs> yeah. um, right. So do you know what event is widely seen as the start of the gay rights movement? Um, Mardi Gras. What's Mardi Gras? Well, Mardi Gras, actually, that would be here in Australia. Um, so Mardi Gras is kind of like, um, what do they have in Brazil? Carnival. Oh, yeah. Um, so... I guess back in the 70s, the first ever gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, it was kind of like a protest in a way and, you know, celebrating. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, there was a lot of violence the first ever, ever Mardi Gras and people gone to jail and, you know, in a hospital as well. 
But, yeah, every March in Sydney they have the main parade. I've always wanted to go. They do, I think they do a version, a smaller version of it in Delsford here in Victoria, which I haven't been to either. Anyway. Well, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you to the previous decade, to June the 28th, 1969. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was an event called the Stonewall Riots. And right. it was essentially a, a bunch of riots that started after a, a police raided a bar called Stonewall Inn. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a, a bar that a lot of marginalised people spent time in. Um, so it was kind of after that, that that things really started to ramp up. That's what the answer that I got from my Google research. Okay. So I'm sure there are other events and stuff that are important, but in terms of the modern movement, that's the one that I kept coming back to. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there we yeah. go. So that one wasn't so much of a, a quiz question, more of a just a little chat about the the early beginnings of of the movements. Um, but what was your final score? Like three, three or four out of five, something like that. I'm gonna say three out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Much better not than my music better. performance uh, last time. <laughs> so not bad. Not bad, mate. Not you did bad. better than I would have done if you'd given me those same questions. So cool. that's me done for another couple of episodes on the uh, Ooh, on the quiz. on the topic intro front. And now we're going to talk about our two LGBTQ plus movies that we, we chose last time. And I'm going to put this question to you, Nick. Moonlight or Portrait of a Lady on Fire to start? After our conversation that we had prior to recording, I think we're going to go with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay, let's get it out of the way. Portrait of a Lady on Fire came out in 2019. It was directed by Celine Sciamma, I think. Yeah. Or Sciamma, Sciamma. Um, I think Sciamma, I should have really looked this up. 120 (laughs) minutes long. It stars Naomi Merlant as Marianne, Adele Hanel as Heloise, Luana Badrami as Sophie and Valeria Galino as La Comtesse. Tagline reads, don't regret, remember, and the synopsis reads, on an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman. But, spoilers, Marianne and Heloise end up falling in love over the course of the film, and it's really just about their story. It's all focused on this one island, uh, 90 five percent of this movie is takes place on that island and it's it looks great one thing the first thing i'm going to say is that some of those shots along the coastline with the 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 rocks in the distance and and the waves crashing onto the beach it looked great and, and some of the stuff around the fireplace it was just lit incredibly well and some of the framing was i really enjoyed seeing um the fireplace was in it so much and seeing the characters kind of centered frame in front of the fireplace there was one scene i think where Marianne was sitting there smoking a pipe and she had she was drying her canvas to mm-hmm. to canvas on either side of the fireplace and I thought that was really really great to look at um that's my positives out of the way <laughs> um, it dragged for me massively I thought this was a dull fucking movie I felt like uh narratively I've seen this movie before Right. Like it looked great, it was well made, but it essentially I, I'm not a, a huge period movie guy anyway. Yeah. So you know, there's that. I I just felt like it was a kind of a, de- a kind of a depressing movie, and I feel like I've seen this movie before. Call me by your name, I, I maybe. I wanted, 
Might be. Call me by the similar. I suppose that's the obvious, the obvious comparison. I Mm. enjoyed Call Me by Your Name. Mm. I enjoyed that. Much like this film, I think it looked beautiful. The performances were incredible. The soundtrack it had some eighties tunes in it as well, which is Mm. an automatic point for me. Yeah, and it just it had a lot more to it that I, I can kind of resonate with. Whereas this period film very very slow like very slow purposeful language i know the scenes felt very long long conversations about that were important to, to the to, like but important so, like so subtly that it just ended up being a slog for me but that's enough i mean i what are you, do you you like this film? You I like do. This film, so. Yeah, this is my second time watching this film, yeah. as well as like both of the films this week. I you've ne- you haven't seen either of them, right? First time watches uh, for both of them for me. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I watched this last year for the first time. You saw it in cinema? No, I watched. No, uh, I I don't think interesting. It got a cinema release. Maybe it was. It was during COVID time. I think maybe because of I've got an art background and drawing and all that, I quite enjoy this film. I thought it was real, and just like the the way it was shot, like some of the images look like like if you if you press pause on the film, it looks like an actual painting in yeah. with a certain lighting that they used. I really like that yeah. beach scene where they all um, they all gather around with a group of people, and she steps away from the fire, and her dress is on fire. She, she doesn't seem to mind too much that she's she's on fire, which kind of made me, made me giggle a little bit. It's like oh, I'd be patting my dress down like like it's going out of fashion. I'd be panicking. <laughs> I thought um, also so so Sophie is the maid of um, Ellen Louise's family. Oh yeah, she, she yeah she, she becomes was, pregnant, doesn't she? Yeah, she becomes pregnant, and then a few scenes later, she goes to see like a a woman who can assist her properly with the termination, and that scene was really um, interesting and difficult at the same time because as it's happening, she's on a bed with the woman's two children who are like sitting next to her as it's happening and I thought that was I don't don't know she was crying as the whole situation was happening and then the next scene is Marianne's doing a painting of that situation I really what I really like about this film at the start so Ella Louise didn't know that she was there to take her portrait she thought she was there for company and that's it um, and the way that Marion was analysing her and just from memory trying to do this portrait and then all of a sudden Helen Louise is kind of okay with her doing the portrait and she gets a better version of her as well because the first version of her, obviously she doesn't know her that well and by the end of it she knows her really well, obviously because of circumstances of their um, relationship with each other. There was one point where Marianne was explaining how well she had observed Heloise and she did and this thing when she was angry and that thing mm. when she was 
embarrassed and stuff like that and i thought that was quite interesting because yeah if you're going to be painting someone you'll go you've got to naturally observe someone so i appreciated that but the one thing that and I, this is a thought that's just occurred to me actually is that i felt for for two people that kind of fell in love and felt this really deep connection i didn't feel that deep connection so much as a viewer i felt like they were a bit disconnected and maybe that was on purpose I, I i don't know but i did i felt like they they were kind of butting up against each other a little bit like coming to a head i know obviously they got together in the end um did you feel that there was a, a strong emotional connection between those two characters near the end yeah but yeah maybe i, mean, I just checked out by that point yeah. <laughs> maybe um what did you think of the last scene the last scene, um, honestly, the first thing that, that comes to mind when you say that is fucking long, wasn't it? It was Like the rest long. of the film. It went on forever. It was a fitting ending. Yeah, it fitted mm. the whole story, definitely. But it was just a slow kind of zoom into Heloise while this, I think it was Vivaldi that was playing. Mm. And it just zoomed in. And she was just incredibly emotional. And I suppose if you're really invested in the movie, that's probably a very powerful scene. I mean, it, it is important because Marianne introduced her to that piece of music back at in Brittany at her place. Yeah, she was back trying to play the on the back in the day when she was playing on the piano. I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, Louise listening to that, obviously reminiscing of that connection that she had with her. That's how it ends. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It just it dragged for me a bit. Mm. It, like, like the whole film, that scene just went on a bit too long for me, and I felt like it was a bit, a bit self indulgent. I think I think I'm all out of faults on Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I feel bad because uh, you, you like the film. A lot of people like the film. Right. I get it. Each it's to just their not for own. Me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I feel really bad because. I don't. I score films. I score them for me. Yeah. So I'm gonna. That's how you should score. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, what are you giving it? Like a four or five? <laughs> I'm giving it a three out of ten. Oh my word! Why so low? Just the fact because that it... this film looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's shot incredibly well. And clearly a lot of work, a lot of effort and a lot of thought has gone into this production. And mm-hmm. I think that that is fucking brilliant. And that is what my three points are for. Right. Everything outside of that, I, I didn't care for. It's just not for me. That is, it's a, I keep saying it, but it's as simple as that. I would yeah. never watch it again. Um, I would not recommend this to Albert. He would fucking. Oh, he would hate it. He would fucking hate it. And this um, would be perfect stitch up for him. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it? And it's two hours long as well. Maybe we should get him on one day and get him to watch it. Um, well, where does it stand for you, mate? And and why? Just because, vis- like, for me, it's visual and storyline. But I'm going to give it an eight point five because it's yeah visually very pleasing. But uh, let's move on to Moonlight. Let's do it. So Moonlight came out in 2016. It was directed by Barry Jenkins and it's 111 minutes long. It was written by Terrell Alvin McCraney and it's kind of loosely based on his own 
ex- right. uh, life experiences. The tagline reads, this is a story of a lifetime. The synopsis reads, the tender, heartbreaking story of a young man's struggle to find himself, told across three defining chapters in his life as he experiences the ecstasy, pain, and beauty of falling in love while grappling with his own sexuality. Um, first thing I want to say is the poster for this movie. Now, I've seen this poster loads of times. I'm always on film websites and whatnot. So even though I've not seen this movie, I'm hyper aware of it because that's just my, yeah. my thing. Um, but I had never noticed that this poster has actually got three different faces on it and it's cut three different faces together. Is I it? Just, yeah. I, Did you not notice this either? I did not notice this. I'm going to look at this right now. It's done I'm... fucking brilliantly. Oh, that's so true. Isn't it great? That's really smart. Um, it's an A24 film. I think it might be our first A24 film. What was Midsummer? Is Midsummer an A24 film? Potentially. Yeah, uh, Midsummer is an A24 film. So it's our second ever A24 film. And it's, as we said, it's told in three clearly marked chapters, which I appreciate. And it does make reviewing a film much easier. I don't consider us film critics, uh, not mm. in the slightest. But when uh, when <laughs> when it's kind of spelt out to you, this is Act 1, this is Act 2, this is Act 3. It makes my life so much easier. Um, so if you could just do that from now on, movies, that would be great. Thank you. But this one is told over a course of about 15 or 20 years, and it focuses on one character, Chiron, Black, Little. He has three um, different names as his Mm -hmm. kind of identity changes and evolves throughout the course of his life. So, yeah, so the first one is is Little, and it kind of opens with him being bullied um, and chased, and Mahershala Ali is a drug dealer, and he kind of takes him little under his wing and there's a beautiful scene where he's teaching little how to swim yeah and actually i was, I was going to say that water is quite prominent in both of our movies today but there was a lot of yeah. water stuff in in a portrait of lady on fire with the coastline and being on the island and also water is incredibly important in this because i think the most important scenes in this film took place on the beach so you're introduced to this Mahershala Ali character one i think his name was and he's a drug mm-hmm. dealer but yeah. then he also takes his boy under his wing and it was good to see a character who's a drug dealer or whatever insert any kind of uh, questionable actions or whatever but also have this tenderness to him it was nice to see not like a stereotype uh, character, not, I think. Not, yeah, and um, he ends up being the most important father figure to to little. Um, but he doesn't make it out of the first act. He um, he dies at some point off screen during the first yeah. act, and then it moves on to act two. And little has now become Sharon, and he's still struggling with his sexuality. He's still getting bullied. He's beginning to stand up for himself a little bit more. But that kind of gets him in a bit more trouble because he gets beaten up and kind of betrayed by his by his friend because they kind of share an intimate moment on the beach and then the bully eggs him on to, to beat up Sharon. And that was yeah. fucking brutal. That brutal. scene was absolutely brutal. Very difficult, difficult yeah. to watch. And then it goes on to Act 3 and it kind of it finishes with Sharon now becoming black and he's a hardened drug dealer himself now and he's put loads of muscle on he's got this mask this shield um and it kind of goes on to just show us what he's become and how he's kind of coped with life and what he's had to do to get through it all and 
I thought that this film just was great. I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot the last few days and I thought it was really a really beautifully done film. I thought that it bubbled along really nicely. It kept it kept moving. Um, it was a really interesting, intimate look on look at identity, I guess, self analysis and mm. that sort of thing. And I just yeah, I thought it was really well done and um interesting to see about the dude that wrote it as well interesting to hear some thoughts by Terrell McCraney who wrote it he wrote it years ago he wrote it when he was 22 he's he's 40 odd now but he wrote it when he was right. about 22 and a few people had kind of got hold of the script over the years and tried to suggest how they could change it into this or that and right. maybe make it into a revenge movie or um maybe change some characters or whatever um, and he just wasn't interested because this was his movie and he wanted to to make it the way he wanted it to be made. And Barry Jenkins came along and was like, look, I, yeah, I agree. Let's, let's make your movie. Um, and it won Best Picture. And, thought, uh, and it won Best Picture. And I can't remember what it was up against that year. Cause La La Land, it was, it was the big controversy that La La Land got, oh. um, said that they got Best Picture and then next minute it's like, no, guys, it was Moonlight. And a lot of people... Um, a lot of people that have watched this film that I know of, they think that Moonlight is overrated. I would disagree with really? that. Compared to, compared, to, compared to La La Land, I think La La Land is probably a little bit more overrated Yeah, compared to this film. I mean, I, I enjoyed La La Land. Maybe not. I wouldn't say it would be best picture compared to this film. Yeah. Um, but I watched this film in at the Sun Theatre maybe two or three weeks after it won Best Picture and thought it was also cinematically gorgeous. Like the night, the night uh, cinematography that they had in this yeah. film was amazing. And then also there's a really – so his mum, uh, Chiron's mum, takes drugs. She's um, – yeah. she, she's a – heavy user and in part two there's some really beautiful scenes of her like just losing it and the the colors that they used in that scene of her being quite aggressive I thought were quite be- was quite beautiful her she was a uh she was an interesting character um again the writer it was personal story to him and yeah. it was kind of it he always wanted it to take place in this uh, Liberty City, I think the area is called in Miami, mm-hmm. and there was a huge drug problem there, or there was right. anyway. I assume that there still is. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. She was not a very pleasant character, and she was hooked on the drugs that Juan, the father figure, was actually putting out into the community. Mm. So it was interesting to see how. I, I guess none of the characters were kind of black or white. It was kind of a they were they felt real. They feel like real characters yeah. with flaws and with um, redeeming qualities. The mum cleaned up her act in the end and she was obviously very regretful of her actions in the past mm-hmm. uh, and acknowledged that and acknowledged that she would never be able to change that. But there's still yeah. a lot of shit that, that um, Tyrone Black Little had to go through. The image, I guess, that kind of sticks with me most is, is the quote-unquote uh, baptism scene where Little's being held and taught how to swim and it's set in the ocean. Um, 
yeah that also, shot I think, kind of looking up towards the sky you can't see the coastline and stuff yeah beautifully beautifully done a really important scene i thought in this film was when little goes um to juan and teresa's house i think it's like for the first time he comes in and has she puts some juice on the table and i really hate this word it's a um the f word regarding homosexual yeah. people uh, Juan explains it really well to him. He's like, oh, you know, it's hmm. it's a word that is used to make a homosexual person feel bad, like put them in a as a bad person. And he goes, "Am I one?" He goes, "He goes, no, no, you're not. You you you're not that. But you could be gay." And yeah. that um, that scene was really powerful for me. It's one of the scenes that stood out for me. Yeah. I didn't particularly like how it ended on uh, with Chiron and Kevin on the couch. I feel like it should have just either ended in the diner or in the kitchen. So what happens in the end is Kevin, who uh, is uh, Chiron's kind of first uh, experience exploring his sexuality um, and the one person that he's kind of been interested in uh, gets his number off Teresa and says, oh, you know, if you're ever in town, you know, come, you know, come to my diner and, you know, I can cook you something up. It'll be good to catch up. And Sharon goes to this diner and catches up with him. And then they end up back at Kevin's house and he mentions that, you know, he was kind of his first and then mm, ends with them too on the – yeah, and then them just on the couch kind of like snuggling together and then it ends there. Maybe it's just a personal opinion that I would have preferred it to that conversation to end at the diner or in the kitchen and that's it. Well, I don't know I what, really, what you thought. The very final frame was little um, looking back at the audience uh, and on black. That was a very final frame on the beach. And I really, really like that final frame. But it, it, I, I am intrigued by your thought of it ending on the diner scene, like, and it, it kind of abruptly ending there, and then it's kind of like, and now we've what got to next? kind of imagine what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't have any problems with the way it ended. I thought it ended um, really nicely. Mm. Um, but interesting, yeah, interesting thought. I think that the strongest thing with for, for me about this film is that uh, well, it was a, a primarily a black cast and also about a, a black homosexual character, and that is not something you see very often in the media, no, in pop culture or any films about. So that was good. Um, representation, I thought, was excellent. No stereotypes. Like I said, people were grey characters. They were a mixture of good and bad like real human beings and actually i suppose that was true over both of our films is that there were no kind of um inappropriate characters and i'm really glad that i was thinking about this i'm really glad that we didn't accidentally choose something bad do you know what i mean mm -hmm. that would have been horrible um 
so yeah, so I, I really, I really dug this film, mate. I enjoyed this film a lot more than I enjoyed Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It was not, no concept, no contest in my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, this film is like a, it's not quite a nine, but it's like an eight point. I'm going to take a leaf out of your book and do a decimal. I'm going to go an eight point seven five. That's I, I would give it the exact same score. <laughs> what eight point seven five? Oh, 8.7. Yeah, like it's not quite a 9, but it's not quite an 8.5. It's right in the middle. I think if I watched it again, it could creep up to uh, a 9. It could do. Um, But I'm not sure it will be. It'll be a while probably again before I watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not a rewatchy film for me, like in a, in a way that Psycho Goreman is a rewatchy film. <laughs> but it was masterfully done, mm, and I really, yeah. really want to watch um, if Bill Street could talk, which was I think the next yeah. film that Barry Jenkins directed. So that's me done for a couple of weeks, and I don't even got to worry about intros or anything like that. Uh, it's back over to you to choose the next topic. So what are we going for, mate? We're going for European Holiday as our next Ooh. pick. Very particular topic and I thought that uh, before the ep- the main episode comes out I might put a the quiz that I'm going to give to you I'm going to put it on our, our story so maybe our listeners can give it a go as well it's gonna be a little bit different to what we've usually done before okay yeah oh I'm intrigued I'm intrigued can yeah, you put that quiz yeah. on before we record, so I know what the questions we are. We can. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not doing that. Ah. There's many ways to interpret this as well. Like how much time does someone need to spend in Europe to it, for it to qualify as a European holiday? Do they need to mm. see any landmarks in Europe or do they are they in one single location for the whole time and really it could have been set anywhere? <laughs> um, we'll find out next week in the next episode yeah. where we are going to be picking European holiday movies. So tune in next week to hear what we choose. Last section, section three, stitch up. Over to you for to catch a year tea with meatloaf. With I suppose meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Um, my first question to you is why did he do that? Why did he do what? Why did that he movie? try to catch a yeti? Why did he do that movie? Because he makes a big deal of saying things that he wouldn't do, Meatloaf. He's always going around saying, <laughs> I won't do that. So I wondered what it was about to catch a Yeti that made him say, I will do that. I don't know. I didn't, to be fair, I didn't go into too much depth. To Catch a Yeti came out in 1995, directed by Bob Keane. The tagline is the story of the world's smallest Bigfoot. The synopsis is Big Jack after Bigfoot in the Big Apple. It's the biggest chase this town has ever seen. Uh, as you said, Meatloaf's in it. I think he's the pretty much the most well-known character or actor in this uh, film. Yeah. Um, I sent you a clip, and Meatloaf's yeah. uh, character, he says, when we catch this Yeti, I'm set for life. I'm set for life. I enjoyed that clip. Yeah, Meatloaf's character is in, I think... In the Himalayas, uh, trying to find, uh, trying to get this yeti, and he sees one. And he's like, "Oh, this is really small." It's kind. Of, this film's kind of like, oh, what was that alien film I had to watch last year? Similar situation, you know. This odd creature comes into 
this family dynamic and the youngest person, kind of like E.T., you know. Mac and May. Comes really atta- Mac and May, that's right, um, comes really attached to this child uh, figure and doesn't want doesn't want this this character doesn't want the yeti to go back to its natural habitat and the reason why that meatloaf is trying to was trying to catch this yeti because this rich family wanted it for their son as like some kind of toy or creature and the the son is like the most evil like the most the most annoying fucking kid you would ever have to deal with in your life like really spoiled and is so fucking rude to anyone um but yeah meatloaf is trying to find this this yeti back in the states and ends up at the family house and steals it off them and takes it to this rich family's place and the young girl you know goes out to the states uh to new york trying to find him um and also this yeti doesn't do well in it because it's used to being the cold it doesn't do well in the in the states where it's not cold all the time. Does it have to drink Coca Cola? No. <laughs> what does it do? It just sits in a. I think it sat in a in a sink of ice and it cooled down straight away. Oh, it does a Wim Hof. Yeah. <laughs> universal Soldier. But yeah, in the end, they get the Yeti back and they take it back to the Himalayas and. You know, they think it's the right thing to do, and then all of a sudden, all these other the Yeti's family come out and breach him again and are really happy and stuff. And that's how it ends. Sounds shit. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like Furby Island to me. No. Nah. sounds exactly like Furby Island. You haven't seen Furby Island. You can't judge nah. Furby Island. <laughs> I didn't think it was, for a stitch up, it wasn't the worst one I've seen out of Really? Yeah. It looked to me like it was the worst one. It, it I mean, looked like what might be one of the worst ones. Dialogue wasn't great. It's better than Monsterd, that's for sure. Yeah. Or Birdemic. What? How many uh, Army of the Deads are you going to give it? Ooh, we're gonna we're gonna Army of the Dead it now. We're gonna Army. We're gonna continue the Zack Snyder theme. We're gonna Army of the Dead stitch up <laughs> movies. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a three out of 10 so the the mm. the same amount that you gave portrait of the lady on fire that's what i'm gonna give this <laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah that's really that's a weird <laughs> thing to to hear in one sentence yeah <laughs> on one one episode of our podcast we've rated to catch a yeti and portrait of lady on fire the, the same. same oh dear nobody listens to this for real film knowledge or talk today oh you never know well, i hope not three is not bad for a stitch up movie no must do better speaking of which uh we need to find out who's going to be watching a stitch up for episode 84 mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks the movies were alone in the dark for you or Larmageddon for me remains on the uh stitch up for the third week, I think the third week in a row now. Yeah. I looked up the scores last night and the current scores are you have watched 20 Stitch Up movies and I have watched 19. Oh, really? So potentially if, yeah, so potentially if I lose, it's going to be even Stevens Ooh. at 20 apiece. So shall I do a spinny wheel? I can do, I've got one right in front of me. Alrighty. I'm so nervous because I... 
I tested this out a few weeks ago and I kept in, it kept on getting my name. So fingers crossed it doesn't do that. Oh my God. Should we share the results to you? Uh, yes, please. It's <laughs> kind of necessary. It says box, which means Dan has to watch the film. So I've got to watch Llamageddon. Finally. I'm not that disappointed, to be honest with you. I think I might have a bit of fun with this one. But that means that I've got to choose a new movie for you now to replace Llamageddon. No, I, need, the, I uh... need to choose a oh, film no. for you. Yeah. We were talking about this topic before and how... Maybe disinterested you are in it. So I'm going to give you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Harry and Megan, a, ro- a royal romance. <laughs> what? It's about Harry and Megan getting together. You know how before those royals get married. Some person decides to make a film about them getting together. That is what the film's it's about. It's called Harry and Megan get get what? <laughs> Harry and get love. Harry and Megan, a royal romance. That's what it's called. Oh fuck my life! <laughs> you are evil. <laughs> that is fucking evil. Right, my sleeves are getting rolled up, my friend. I'm looking this up. Harry and Meghan, a royal romance, romance 2018. What is it? Is it a dramatisation? Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Is this even available anywhere? <laughs> yep, it's on TV. Oh. I'm glad this is amusing you. On that note. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Dad wants to um, have that rule of keeping the stitch-ups ongoing anymore. <laughs> I think we should I think we should get rid of that rule. <laughs> you arsehole. <laughs> you fucking arsehole. <sighs> right. So good. Um yeah, I, I mean, on that note, I, I'm going to end it there. So if you want to <laughs> catch up with us on social media, you can do on Instagram, at TwinPixPod. Also on Twitter, at TwinPixPod. If you want to email the show, you can do at TwinPixPod at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, please do at ko-fi.com slash TwinPixPodcast. Best thing you do, tell a mate about it. What about you, mate? You can find me on Instagram at Chikanika or Nika Creative. So... Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in next week where we're going to be picking our two European holiday movies. So we'll see you then. Bye. See ya. Bye.